The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Welcome. Glad you're with us. It is a Wednesday night and a lot to get to on WTMJ Nights. Always more fun when you're involved, though. 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. If you decide to call in, we'd love to hear from you. You'll be talking to Matt. He's executive producer of the big broadcast. Be nice to him. You're going to get through to me. That's how that works. And if you want to text us, you can start out with our text question of the night. Um, Hawaii, especially Maui, is being ravaged by wildfires. Have you ever survived a natural disaster, and what was it? So in light of what's going on in Hawaii, and it is horrifying, have you ever survived a natural disaster? 855-616-1620, that's the old National Bank. Talk and text line, and that's how... You get involved. All right. Matt, how are you? Feeling good? Everything all right? Doing well. It's a great Wednesday night. The sun's shining out. You know, it's a great day. Great day. Uh, we're going to have uh, we're gonna have a fun night. Have you ever been to Hawaii, Matt? My family has. I have not. Oh, they didn't take you? What happened? Did you disappoint It, it wasn't entirely you? their fault. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was it, it a home alone situation? It was they not just... a home alone situation. I was in a much better spot. I was in Phoenix, Arizona watching the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 57 while covering them they were in Hawaii Arizona right, well, was my Arizona was my Hawaii those okay. couple of weeks and you were you were covering the game so that makes it a little yes. different when you when the first thing you said was I was in Arizona I was thinking boy you you really were not in a better place in Hawaii but working the Super Bowl yes that would be a depending on who you are that would be comparable to being in Hawaii I have um I was fortunate enough to go to Hawaii once, and we stayed in Maui, and we were in Lahaina, and I was just just before the show, I was watching a little bit of the news, and um, the the footage coming out of there is unbelievable, and Wyatt reported on this, they're saying at least six people have been killed in these wildfires, and um, it's just going to keep, it's going to keep going because of the winds. Uh, there's a hurricane south of Hawaii. It's it's unbelievable. But to watch the watch the footage of this paradise just burning, and unless you've seen or been part of a wildfire, I mean, you can appreciate it seeing this footage. It you you just see everything on fire, and you hear the stories of people in Lahaina, which is a historic little village. Um, running into the water to escape the flames and to escape the smoke and you can you hear the stories of front street which is the historic little shopping district just basically blowing up from the from the fire all the shops just engulfed in flame it's you can see it but it's there's something about actually witnessing it and unfortunately that was one of the reasons we left california is because of wildfires the last time, uh, the last straw was a wildfire that came within, oh, about three miles of our house. We lived in northern L.A. County, and, you know, there had been wildfires in different parts of the area, and, and you could see, as you drove on the interstate, you would see the aftermath of these fires. 
the hillsides just completely charred, no green for miles and miles because everything had been burned. And then everybody crossing their fingers that it didn't rain too hard because now there was nothing to keep the earth from sliding onto the road once it started to rain. Um, but the last time as we, you know, my wife had already started to really want to move back to the Midwest. I enjoyed the weather, so I was willing to put up with a lot. But a couple small earthquakes, nothing really to write home about. They made an interesting story when we did talk to family back here. You know, you you feel the house kind of undulate. It's almost like you're going over dips if you're driving a little fast on the road and you're, you feel your car just going over these dips. That's how the small earthquakes feel. I fortunately have never been in a major earthquake. I can't imagine how terrifying that must be. But the small ones, you survive. Nothing really happens uh, except the first one freaks you out. After that, you're kind of like, okay, and you're waiting. That The hardest part, and not to paraphrase Tom Petty, but when you, when you go through one, it's okay. But every time you have to wait because you never know if another quake is coming after. So we'd, we'd been through a few earthquakes, and we had heard about wildfires and seen the aftermath, like I said. But as, as this last one, it started coming, and it was coming from the southwest, southwest. And the valley we were in, the Santa Clarita Valley, it was coming over those hills. And we lived right next to Magic Mountain, basically. And... It was coming over the hills. There were mandatory evacuations. You know, people's houses and property were burning. As you get out a little bit, um, it's weird to say about California because you think, oh, L.A., everything is very congested. Well, we were maybe 30 miles north of downtown, and while it was congested in parts just outside of where we were, were a lot of horse farms and things like that. So everything was getting evacuated, and we see... We could see the fire coming over the hill, and our neighborhood still had not been evacuated yet because they weren't sure if it was going to change direction. It's it's a whole weird thing, and um, so you feel and you feel unbelievably helpless because this is a time when Mother Nature has all the cards, which pretty much is all the time. But once you see the world on fire, you're like there's no way to stop this. We would see the planes flying overhead. There was a lake about five miles north of us, Castaic Lake, and those were the planes that were swooping down to fill up with water and drop, and they were, there was the fire-retardant planes that were dropping things, and it got so close that it was basically snowing ash all over the, all over the house, the car, the neighborhood, everything. And that was pretty much when my wife said, we're leaving. I'm not, I can't do this. i deathly afraid of fire and... Um, we're, we're, we're leaving. And I was like, all right. So having been very, very minor in comparison to what's happening in Hawaii, I can't imagine the horror that these people are going through. And we, you know, we know that Hawaii is a state, but it's also for most people on the mainland, it's just a faraway paradise that people go for vacation. You know, since we, we have to fly there, it's not like, Oh, let's drive over to uh, you know Minnesota, or let's drive down to Kentucky to the mountains, wherever. It's removed, but it is these are 
these are our people that are uh, you know suffering all this so we'll we'll keep watching they are between the hurricane and high pressure it says these winds are not going to go away uh 14,000 people without uh, without power cell phone communication is down everything is down people are being urged to as uh why I told you if you're just there for vacation to get out uh people are being told not to come back in they're trying to uh, the lieutenant governor of Hawaii was saying we're we're almost to the point where we're going to have to start flying people off the island to one of the other islands to just for safety's sake because it's it's getting so bad so that's the text question of the night with hawaii the way it is uh horrible wildfires have you survived a natural disaster what was it Eight five five six one six one six twenty. the old national bank talk text line milwaukee has installed some uh vending machines but you're not getting coke or pepsi out of them you're getting some other things we'll talk about that and so much more it's wtmj nights Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, I know a lot of us, myself included, um, sometimes have difficulty empathizing with uh, certain things. That's human nature. Uh, I understand. Alcoholism, I understand. Maybe because it's touched my family. I understand it's in a, de a disease. I also rationally know that drug addiction is a disease. Um, for so, for whatever reason, sometimes I think uh, there's a little more choice involved in that, but but I know rationally it's not. That's why I was very happy to see that um, the county is having success with these Narcan uh, fentanyl strip vending machines that they've put in they also have gun locks on there this is uh, this is a good thing and i know there are people who think well you listen if we if we put these machines there it's like we are signing off that it's okay to be addicted and that's i understand that thinking but i think it's erroneous because if somebody's addicted they don't need they don't need you and I to sign off on their addiction. It's not like they're going to go, "Well, I was going to be an alcoholic, but then everybody kind of looks down on that, so I'm not going to do that anymore." That's something that that has to come from inside, and I know that's the same for whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, whatever you're addicted to, no matter how many times people tell you they don't approve of it or that it's wrong or anything else, you, as the addict, are not going to listen to that. You're not going to change until you decide it's time to change. So for Milwaukee to put these to put these machines out as some sort of not a diversion from addiction, but a diversion from deaths, I think is great. And the fact that people seem to be using them, I think is fantastic as well. So if you haven't heard this, uh, the numbers, in three weeks since they were installed, the vending machines have distributed 760 kits of Narcan, 2,300 fentanyl test strips, 1,000 medication lock bags, 1,200 medication reactivation bags, and 750 gun locks. Now, to me, 
That's an incredible amount in three weeks. It also speaks to how bad some situations are and how bad the opioid crisis here is here in Milwaukee County. In 2022, there were 667 fatal drug overdoses. 559 involved opioids. And, you know, we're seeing these lawsuits, and that's that's part of where the money came from, uh, the opioid settlement from the drug companies who were found liable for at least part of this epidemic. Uh, and if you've ever... If you've ever been on this stuff, it would seem seem pretty easy if you if you had an addictive personality to fall into the addiction with these opioids. So there was a lot of a uh, lot of fatal overdose in 2022. The data hasn't been released for 2023 yet, but according to Milwaukee County's chief health policy advisor, Opioid use continues at crisis level in Milwaukee County with opioid-related deaths every 16 hours in 2022. Downstream efforts are critical in the moment that we're in, and that's what they're calling these. Um, down Downstream. So we're going to, all right, let's try to fend it off. Um, so $11 million of this uh, money, 11, we got $11 million as an opioid settlement fund allocated by the Milwaukee County Board. So they're using part of that to fund these machines. Um, they have launched an application process so that their additional organizations can try to get some of these machines in. Um, if you if you go to one of these vending machines, you can take out as much as you need. There's no, um, no limit. Um, the harm reduction items, which is what they're called. The instructions are in both English and Spanish, so you can get them. Um, 14 more are going to be installed through 2024. Uh, Milwaukee County also awarded $71 million from a $420 million settlement, um, and they're going to use that's They're using that for other programs, giving this to um, giving this to the organizations that need it. The director of the Martin Luther King Jr. Community Center said having the machine here for our members that come in, uh, no questions asked, they can get what they need, lets me believe that if we save but one life, we have been successful in our journey. And I believe that as well. It's, you know, I know it's hard for a lot of people to understand. It's hard, sometimes it's hard for me to understand how somebody could become that addicted. But then last year I had surgery and I was given Oxycontin. It makes you feel really good. And if you're, for whatever, for whatever reason you have that you go down that path to addiction, whether it's chemical, whether it, whatever it is, um, you know, it's got to be looked at as not a character flaw, but a medical condition. And if we can do something to save this, because it's insane how many people, 2021, now I gave you some numbers for 2022, 2021, uh, the county reported 644 drug overdoses, 54% increase in just two years. 323 of those deaths were white people, 231 were black people, roughly 77% of the overdoses occurred at home. Well, last year, a reported 667 overdose, 
overdose deaths, like I said. Um, we'll get some of your texts, some of your thoughts. What do you think about this? I'm, I'm happy it's out there. The money, the money was there. The money was not taken from some pro, you know, it wasn't like, well, uh, we have to fund these vending machines for the harm reduction things, or we're going to take it from schools, or we're going to take it from the roads. Or we're going we got, we got this money because the pharmaceutical companies were found to be liable for part of the opioid crisis, which is crushing this county. So I'm all for it. I think it's great. I'm, I'm glad that there's going to be 14 more in 2024. But that's me. What do you think? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. We'll get to your thoughts after this. WTMJ. Brian Noonan. WTMJ Nights. You are you. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank Talk and Text Line. That's how you get involved. We're talking about the 11 Narcan fentanyl test strip uh, vending machines that have been put out. Seem to be a big success. Again, just in the three weeks since they were installed, uh, 760 kits of Narcan, 2,300 fentanyl test strips, 1,000 medication lock bags, 1,200 medication reactivation bags, and 750 gun locks. That's great. A uh, couple of texts coming in. Diane says, wow, the problem is out there whether we try and do something or not. This is incredible. I am for it. In this painful world, you can see why people want relief. And once you're addicted, this stuff is just so hard to get off of. And then from the 262, why not spend that money on rehab if you refuse too bad? Um, that's kind of a harsh take if you refuse too bad. I think this um, you know, rehab rehab is a big step for a lot of people. And a lot of, a lot of people who have addictions are not ready to make that jump to quit all together, to change their lives, to go into rehab. Plus... You would have to build rehab. It's going to cost a lot more than what they're spending to open rehab centers, to create the space and the beds and the staffing for rehab centers when a lot of those beds could be filled, but a lot of them would not be based on the fact that some of these people don't want, don't want to change. And I know for some of us, we can't understand that. Well, why wouldn't you want to quit? Well, I... Um, so I, I get, I get why people don't want to quit. You know, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life, not myself, but people very close to me. And I've seen the only time they quit, the only time they want to go to rehab is when they decide. So if we can do something to save a couple lives by putting these, uh, putting these out there, I'm, I'm all for it. Who do we have on the line? We have Mike from Cudahy is live on WTMJ Nights. Hey, Mike. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going well. What do you think of this? Good, good. I'm sorry? What do you think about this? I think it's a worthwhile investment, and it's uh, helping people that need the help. I think it speaks well of the city to go ahead and uh, spend this money appropriately, even though it was, uh, you know, could have been gone in other areas like uh, the... Uh, hop and other investments, electric buses, that seem to be silly. I think it helps people. And just like you, I have close family members. We've been through interventions, rehabs, and others with uh, with uh, this problem. And I think it's uh, I think it's great for the city. Yeah, it's. I don't know what the strings were uh, on this money. It was part of this opioid settlement, so I don't know if it had to be used for certain programs 
or if it was just free money that the county got. And um, but either way, they're using it for this, and I and I agree. It's I think there's a good thing. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, two six two. We it's time we admit that the U.S. has lost the war on drugs. Oh yeah, that was come on. That was <laughs> we've lost that a long time ago. People are. Uh, if people want to do drugs, they're going to do drugs. The they're there, uh, you know. the The thing is, and I don't. I'll be honest. I don't follow a lot of uh, the drug scene. I don't know a lot about it, but I do know that fentanyl has become an unbelievably dangerous scourge on this country. Uh, people might try coke for the first time. They get fentanyl laced stuff or heroin, and they get it. Uh, it's laced with this, and they're dead, and that's it. So, you know, to have these test strips available in this machine, and as I said, you can, if you you need a couple of them, you need four of them, whatever, however many you need, you take. And, you know, we may not, we may not approve, we may not condone the behavior, but we might, we have to, we have to understand the behaviors out there, and so it's time for us to try to do something. If we can't stop the behavior and we can't stop the drugs coming in, we can't stop people's desire to have them, can we at least try to save a few people? Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to change your mind in your stance against drugs or whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't mean all of a sudden that you're pro-drug use. It means you're empathetic enough to go, okay, listen, this money came in for this. So we can't argue with it. The money that's that money is for this. So let's use it and let's see how it works. All right, we got to do this and we'll come back and I'm surprised but a bill that was brought up back, I don't know, a few months ago is not gaining a lot of traction. We'll talk about that and a lot more. It's WTMJ Nights. Time to roll out the barrel. Always time to roll out the barrel. But who's going to bring the beer to your table? That's the question that came up uh, in a in a bill that was introduced in May and has not gotten a lot of traction. I don't know if you remember this. It was uh, a bill that would allow teenagers as young as fourteen to serve alcohol. Um, People started talking about it all over the state, obviously, but then people started talking about it all over the country, and it really hasn't moved ahead in the legislature. And I'm wondering why this is, I, probably because people have not done enough due diligence to find out what was actually in the bill. And so now they're, they're trying to put out the message going, hey, hey, listen, we're not, we're not talking about 14 year olds behind the bar mixing up, uh, pouring beers or mixing up old fashions. We're talking about restaurants or, you know, uh, restaurants or taverns that have food, whatever. 14-year-olds actually taking the drinks from the bartender and walking them over to the table. That's really what it is. Critics are concerned that the bill would expose young employees to harassment from intoxicated adults. Uh, the bill's authors argue that the proposal wouldn't change much about what they can do at work. If you're working in an establishment that serves alcohol... No matter how old you are, there is always a chance that you are going to be harassed by somebody who's had too much. Now, that's up to up to the bartenders and management to police that and make sure that people are not getting overserved. But if you're allowing 
14, 15, 16-year-olds to work at one of these establishments, that's that really doesn't have any... If somebody's going to harass them, they're going to harass them anyway. If they're bussing the table, if they're bringing their food, or if they're bringing them a beer. Uh, so I, I don't see how that really holds water. When this first came out, I was a little skeptical about it, but again... That's because all the details had not been put out there. You know, it's, it's, uh, hey, we're going to have 14 year olds serve at alcohol. It's like, what? I don't want to, f- to be honest, I don't want a 14 year old making me a drink. Well, that's not what's going to happen. Now, you know, if a 16 year old is waiting tables or a 17 year old at this place, well, I don't mind if they bring me my drink order. That's okay. They're not touching it. So here's here's what the bill would actually do. But are you comfortable with children bringing you your drinks at a restaurant or tavern? 855-616-1620. That would be so, that would be something I would have to get used to, but part of the part of the selling points for this bill is, hey, there's a staffing problem at a lot of places. And, you know, if if we can get teenagers in here working and they can do all these things, it's going to save because we don't have to then have the bartenders uh, taking the drinks out to the tables and slowing things down. Well, here's what the bill actually has in it. Uh, the bill would allow employees between the ages of 14 and 17 to carry alcoholic beverages to customers seated at tables. They cannot serve at the bar. So it's only if you're sitting down... That's it. Teenagers as young as 14 would not be allowed to pour beers or mix drinks. The age to receive a bartending license is 18. So the bill does not seek to change that. So it's still going to be 18 to get your bartender's license. Under the current law, that age group can't serve, sell, dispense, or give away drinks while working in a place where alcoholic beverages are stored, sold, or served. So that's really all they're trying to change is that they can serve it. They're not trying to get it so they can sell, dispense. They also can't ch- uh, act as bouncers or check IDs. I don't know how effective a 14-year-old bouncer would be anyway, but it's in the law just to make sure we don't have to worry about finding that out. Um, so there, the, the bill is not going anywhere. Despite Despite the tavern, uh, the tavern association being behind it, there's a lot of a lot of groups that aren't. The Tavern League of Wisconsin is saying, "Yeah, this is great." The Wisconsin Restaurant Association is not involved in drafting the bills. Uh, people lobbying against it are the Wisconsin Association of Local Health Departments and Boards, Wisconsin Public Health Association, Wisconsin School Social Workers Association. So, the bill is still a long, long way from becoming law. Um, it's in two committees right now, uh, in the Assembly and the Senate, neither of which has held a public hearing on it. If Once they do that, the committees have to vote on the bill, then it has to go to the full Assembly or Senate, and then it would go to uh, the governor. Nine Republican lawmakers support the bill. No Democrats are signed on as co-sponsors. Uh, it is... Um, I, I, at this point, don't see anything wrong with this, with this part of it. Now, if 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 I own a place, because to work in a restaurant, you've got to be fourteen. Okay, that's the law. If you're fourteen, you can work in a restaurant. If you're twelve or thirteen, if your parents own it, okay, you can work there. 
If you're under 16, you have to get a work permit signed by your parents uh, to be employed. So, you know, I don't know how many 14 and 15-year-olds are working at restaurants. I know at that age, I was working as... Um, I was working in uh, at a golf course. I was caddying during those years. Then when I was 16, I got jobs at grocery stores and fast food places and things like that. So I don't know how many, you know, unless, you, unless you're a family-owned place, I don't know how many 14 and 15-year-olds are working there. But that that's, we don't worry about that. So the arguments against the bill are that the change would free up bartenders to uh, focus on pouring drinks. That's That's for the bill. Um, critics of the bill say young employees could experience harassment if they're serving alcohol to intoxicated adults. I, I addressed this before. I, you know, that's not something. That's not something with that I think is an overwhelming fear. Because there's enough. There's there's grown bartenders. There's managements. There's all kinds of people who would be watching that and restricting people who have gotten to that point through alcohol, you know, that's it. Let's just stop. We're not going to serve them anymore. Um, they also, the critics are also saying, listen, um, why do we want, why do we want youngsters contributing to the alcohol culture here in Wisconsin? Because Wisconsin is frequently ranked as one of the most intoxicated states in the nation. A report in 2021 found every county in Wisconsin had a high percentage of excessive drinkers. So, you know, that that's what the critics are saying. You know, we'll see. A lot of, uh, a lot of response on the uh, Old National Bank talking text line. I will get to that if you want to jump in, 855-616-1620. 14, 15, 16-year-olds serving beer. Why do you think this bill is not getting moved along? What do you think is the holdup? Let me know. It's WTMJ Nights. The bill that's, that could allow 14 and 15 year olds in your restaurant or tavern to serve you alcohol, not pour it, not not mix up a drink, not serve you if you're sitting at the bar, but but carry a tray of beer over to your table, has not gotten a lot of a lot of traction in the legislature. It was proposed in May, a lot of people make it, a lot of stink about it, and it's not happening, and I'm wondering what you think about that. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk text line. Um, from Doug in Kenosha, they should expand the age for grocery store cashiers for alcohol purchases. Now you have to wait for someone old enough. I agree with that, Doug. Be or, or just, you know, like, all right, at Woodman's, you've got the liquor section, and there's always... The, the cashiers in there are always older, over 21. So, okay, that's great. But if you go anywhere else, a uh, regular grocery store, and you buy it, it, it is difficult. And then you, you also can't go through the self-checkout, which is a whole other thing. But, yeah, I would, I would if you, you, know they're not, you know they're not drinking on the job at the grocery store or the liquor store or whatever, so let, let them ring it up. From the 262, the Republicans seem bound and determined to undo the child labor laws. It doesn't stop with just serving alcohol. Guess next they will lower the age children can work to eight, just like in the 1800s. Mark, mark this down, uh, Matt, because you're going to hear something you almost never hear me do. This is not the Republicans' fault. It's, this is already law. 14 year olds can already, 14 and 15 year olds 
can already work in restaurants and things. They just have to have a work permit signed by their parents. I don't know the number of 14 and 15-year-olds that are working in these establishments. But once you're 16, 17, 18, you can work in, in restaurants without any problem. So, and if it's, again, we're going to, we will capitulate that yes, or, or acquiesce to the fact that yes, if your parents own the tavern, you can work there at 12 or 13. But that's your parents, that's your family business, it's different. I don't know how many 14 and 15 year olds this is actually going to affect if this bill were to go through. The law is already in place. They're just making a change. And again, this is the supporters for this say it's going to, uh, it's going to help with the workforce shortages in the restaurant industry. It's going to get 16 and 17 year olds working in the restaurants, uh, instead of, I don't know wherever, where, I don't know where else 16 and 17 year olds work. Um, fast food places, maybe, a, I was going to say a store at the mall. How old did I just sound there, Matt, when I said... Malls don't exist anymore, Ryan. I, I know, that's... that's uh, the only I people think... working at malls right now are the developers <laughs> turning it into something else. All right, fair enough. Good point. See, that's why I have you around, Matt, to keep, to keep me uh, grounded in reality. Nobody's working at Hot Topic anymore? What is Nobody's that? going... <laughs> it was a clothing store in the mall. I've heard Chess of, King, Spencer's Gifts. Nobody's, oh, I've heard of Spencer's. Yeah, right. There, there are some malls that are still they still have their eyes above water. Yeah, not not too not much too many in their eyes. So, all right. So, yeah, I don't know where do where do sixteen and seventeen year olds work then? They don't have jobs. A lot of them Robin. at this point only have summer jobs. Like at least the people who I was friends with, it was they teach golf or they caddy in the summers they'd work right. in restaurants they'd have an internship even a lot of times nowadays a lot of people get something in their perspective field of interest or they're working for their parents or their parents friends company there's not yeah. a whole lot of i'm gonna be a server i'm gonna bus i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do something that's gonna be productive towards the career and so that's what you see a lot of young people everybody wants to be an influencer so <laughs> they got to figure out their their clips and their uh, their TikToks. So I don't know, uh, Jeff. I was bringing my dad beers when I was three, right? From a different two six two, I would com be completely comfortable with younger folks bringing me a drink at a restaurant. All right, very good. And uh, Jeff says I'm fine with it, but I do hope these kids have some sort of backup in case someone gets out of line when they're uh, shined up and cause trouble. I hope it's not just one kid and one bartender. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I don't I don't see that being the case. Using framing it around fourteen and fifteen year olds and um framing it in the we don't want them harassed by drunk people, they're points, but I don't think they're the main points. I think that's easier to hang if you're a critic of this, it's easier to say, well, of course, who you know, we don't want fourteen year olds uh, harassed by drunks. Well, nobody does. But I again I would be interested to see the numbers of how many 14 and 15 year olds are actually working at restaurants and things, uh, as opposed to 16 and 17 year olds where you don't need that work permit. Uh, at 14, I worked in a liquor store. All right, good for you. And John says, funny, back in my day, I was a preteen. I ran down the stairs to get a quart bottle of beer at my grandma's house in southern Chicago at my family gatherings. None of my elders batted an eye. Yeah, it, listen, at family parties, we all, you know, if you weren't getting your older family members, your uncles, your aunts, your a beer or a drink, you weren't, you know, 
you weren't pulling your weight at the party. I remember bartending, bartending, quotes, air quotes around it, bartending when uh, my parents would have a party. And it was, you know, can you pour, open a couple of beers, pour a glass of wine? Okay, fine. And I was, you know, I was in high school. No big deal. All right, we got to take a little break, do a little business, and then we'll be back. It's WTMJ Nights. Conversation. Oh, who doesn't like cold beer and conversation? Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. One more text regarding this uh, proposed bill that would lower the age to 14 for workers in restaurants and taverns to serve you alcohol. Just bring it to your table, not pour it, nothing like that. The 414, I owned a bar restaurant and had several young people, 15 to 17-year-olds, working for working as bussers, dishwashers, and server assistants. The law is very specific about the amount of hours and time they can work, especially during the school year, yeah. Uh, we always made sure they had a positive and safe atmosphere. And I think, you know, kids are working in these places anyway, it's not, you know, nobody's making them, nobody's saying, all right, let's 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 get it so the youngest kids in the world can work. No. The law is already there. I think it's a good thing. Hey, a guy we're all familiar with made a TV debut last night. We'll talk about that on the other side of the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Oh, my, hour two of the big broadcast. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620. I will be back at the fair, broadcasting from the fair on Saturday with Steve Scafidi and Sandy Max. We're doing a special Saturday fair show from 2 to 5 p.m. If you're at the fair, wander by the uh, the beautiful studios there, the Bank 5-9 studios, or as I call it, the Talk Aquarium, and uh, look in, say hi. We'll be uh, doing all sorts of fun stuff. Have you been to the fair yet, Matt? Do you, uh, are you a fair guy? That would not be a uh, fair assessment. Puns <laughs> <laughs> are fun. I have been to the fair through the audio board at WTMJ. Uh, I- I'll leave go. it at that. Yeah, you should come. You should come out. It's it's fun. We I did uh, last Friday. I sat in for Jeff Wagner, who had taken the day off from the fair, and we had a. Uh, I had a great time. It was uh, it was a lot of fun seeing people walk right by. They stop, they wave, they look, they go, "Who's that guy?" Oh, he looks different than he sounds. Uh, the whole thing, and uh, just everybody there, and then just wandering around the fair. That's why I can't wait to get back on Saturday to uh, to see uh, see a little more. My wife's going to come with me, and maybe our daughter on Saturday, and maybe her boyfriend. Mm. Uh, so they may be uh, they may be coming with me, but we'll uh, we'll have more time to wander about because there was there was music everywhere, and um, I had one really good treat at the fair. The um, the winner of the food contest, the um, Sporkies, it was a, oh, this was good. It was a Wisconsin beer cheese lava cake. So it was like a pretzel bun. Uh, imagine, imagine a cream-filled donut. If the donut was made out of pretzel bun and the inside was hot, oozy beer cheese, that was, that was really, that was really good. And I'm not just saying that because they were the Sporkies winner or because it's from Worst House, who was taking care of us at the fair. But that was really good. 
Then, and I'm not going to shame the uh, uh, shame the place, but I'll just say I tried something that was not very good. Did uh, are you a are you a tater tot guy, Matt? Oh yeah. All right. Have you do you like tater tots loaded with all kinds of stuff? Depends on what they're loaded with, but let's see what we got. All right. So I, I'll give you the title of them. They were Philly cheesesteak tater tots. That sounds intriguing. It does. It sounds good because, one, I love a good Philly cheesesteak or even a mediocre Philly cheesesteak, and two, I like tots. The problem was the uh, it was the same like cheddar cheese that they would use on tot nachos. Then the onions and peppers were okay, but then the beef, I thought maybe they were going to like chop up a steakum or something like that. They just scooped out Italian beef from no, the Italian no, beef. no. Yes, you cannot. Was, that's a sin. It's a sin. I, I uh, yes, I can. This it's not a Philly cheesesteak. That's Chicago cheesesteak. Right. We can't combine even, cities here. No, and that's just a bad beef sandwich. You know, because they did have a like a beef sandwich one with jardinera instead of the pepper. But I was like, no, they're just taking cheese-covered tots and throwing on whatever kind of beef they were. So that was, again, I'm not going to say who you know whose place it was, but um, it, I won't be having tots again this weekend. We'll just, uh, we'll leave it at that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go more uh, Wisconsin-centric foods. Some broth things, maybe uh, some pickle things. I did try a new Oktoberfest beer, and I wish I could remember the brewery that it was from, because they have the, the, the big micro- area for all these local Wisconsin breweries and it was uh, so that was really good everything was great uh, except for the tots avoid the tots that's all I can tell you all right let's uh, let's get into this uh, what would it take for you to change your opinion of Aaron Rodgers by the time he was leaving the Packers last year most people and, and I'm going to say most people based on the response that I would get when we would talk about Aaron Rodgers most people were for, were ready for him to move on uh high maintenance he's a jerk he can't win blah 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 these were all the these were all the opinions that were coming out about Aaron Rodgers well then he left he went on a, a total what a darkness uh, a total darkness retreat and he decided he was going to go to New York that was it so he's with the Jets now, and the Jets are featured this year on Hard Knocks. And if you haven't watched Hard Knocks ever, it's a, I always enjoyed it. I, I watched it the first, I don't know, four or five seasons religiously, and then I kind of fell off. But um, are you, do you watch Hard Knocks? Did you, see, did you see last night, Matt? I have not seen it last night. For the sake of the listeners, I'll allow the spoiler, but I oh, watch no, I it religiously. All right. I will not. There will be no spoilers. I mean... It's, there really it's are spoiler. no spoilers. It's hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't think it's a spoiler to go, hey, they featured Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> really? really? They featured the starting quarterback who they traded a oh. couple of first, they traded a first round pick for? Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, what a spoiler. And, uh, you know, there's some long shot stories that they feature, which is great. Um, it did, boy, they, for a guy, Aaron Rodgers and uh, the head coach, uh, Robert Sala, Sala, both both said they didn't really want to be on hard knocks. Nobody wants to be teams teams do not really like to be on hard knocks, which makes a little bit of sense. But boy, they went out of their way to cast Aaron Rodgers in a good light last night. If you saw it, I'd like to get your thoughts. If you haven't, don't worry. I don't think 
again, we can't spoil it because it's the first practice and they feature Aaron Rodgers a lot. I'll try not to. I, I don't know what details I could give. I'm, I'm going to give one detail. Uh, but it has nothing to do with a player. So you decide if you're going to think that's uh, going to be a spoiler or not, and then you come back in a few minutes. So it's, all, it, it's, it's there. They make Aaron looked Aaron looked good. Uh, he was, they were shooting him, so he always looked like he had a glint in his eye. Uh, everybody at the camp was fawning over him, not to his face, but they were all talking about him, how great he was, and blah, blah, blah. And he did seem to be um, going out of his way to mentor the um, uh, who. So Wilson is his last name. Who's the quarterback for the Jets that uh, was the first-round pick and then it was a washout, Matt? Zach Wilson, the Zach future Wilson. quarterback of some other team. <laughs> yes, but Zach, they were, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers took Zach Wilson under his wing. He's going he's gonna to help him because, you know, they're thinking, everybody last night was saying, oh, you know, this is, Zach has done such a good job at accepting this and stepping back and, you know, taking some time and blah blah blah, and I'm like, does he have a lot of other choices? His first couple of years, he has no, he has not... no choices. He has the right. choice of being unemployed or being the backup quarterback to Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. And so you go, all right, hey, I'm still in the league. I'm the backup to a future Hall of Famer, and uh, maybe I'll learn something. And it seems like he might learn something if if what we saw on Hard Knocks last night is the way things really are. And let's be honest, it's TV, so none of it was probably real. But, um, oh, man, everybody, like I said, everybody thought Aaron was just God's gift to New Jersey. So the big the big thing that may be the spoiler. So Aaron Rodgers was at a golf course when he said he was not a fan of having hard knocks come to the Jets training camp. He didn't want to. He didn't want to do that. But then he said, "Oh, you know what? The one thing I do, uh, the one thing I do like, is that uh, voice of God who narrates everything. I like that guy." Oh, really? Okay. So Liev Shriver, who is a, an actor, he's and he's the voice of NFL films now, and he's the narrator of Hard Knocks. He does pretty much all the sports stuff on HBO. He's got an unbelievable voice. And you may know him as an actor from Ray Donovan and the Manchurian Candidate, a lot of other things. Um, so all of a sudden, they're, they're at practice. Now, that's not a spoiler because you know it's training camp, so they're going to practice. And all of a sudden, you hear a helicopter. You like those low-rent sound effects, Matt? Immaculate. I used to be a Foley artist back in the day. Uh, <laughs> Helicopters coming and they're all they're all in awe. Now these are grown men who are making a ton of money, but they're in awe of a helicopter. Ooh, it's a helicopter. What do you know about that? <laughs> helicopter lands. Who gets off the helicopter? Liev Shriver. And uh, he says to the camera, "This is a." Uh, he says to the camera, uh, "In all honesty, I wanted to drive, but the producers made me take this helicopter," which again. Probably partially true, but if I didn't have to drive in uh, New Jersey traffic and stuff, I'd take a helicopter too. So anyway, he comes out and he meets uh, Aaron Rodgers is all excited 
and they start talking. But even when even when Aaron Rodgers is talking to a guy he says he's a big fan of, and he told Leif Shriver uh, he was a big fan of his work, and he loved uh, his work on 24-7 and his work on uh, you know narrating Hard Knocks and stuff, he still seems like, you ever been talking to somebody and their eyes are always looking like to see if there's a better conversation somewhere else? That's how Aaron Rodgers came off to me. Not bad. He was still paying attention. He was making small talk, but he was, and I don't know if it was just he was keeping his eyes on the field or what. But this I found, this I found, um, very telling. So finally they're all, they're all walking around or they're talking, him and Liev. And Liev says to him, well, why, you know, why were you so hesitant to have us do the show here? And Aaron Rodgers said, I think we're worried about it being a distraction. There's a lot of misnomers about it. I've had a great experience. Well, you've only had a, you know, it's, it's the first episode. So I don't know how great your experience could be. But overall, it looks, you know, it's all make-believe. It's all a big, uh, and this is, this is every season on Hard Knocks. But, Matt, maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. It builds up that team so that you go, oh, this team's going to do really good this year. And then most of the time they don't. Yeah. But you... I would agree with that. Looking at the teams that are on hard knocks in the past few years, last year the Detroit Lions, who exceeded expectations. Yeah. 2021 was the Dallas Cowboys, and if they don't win a Super Bowl, it's a failure in Dallas, according to their right. fans. And they had been on twice before, I know at least once before. They were one of the first seasons. Dallas was on in 2002, 2008, and then 2021. Okay. But they're the Cowboys, so they'll be on whenever they want to be on. Sure. And then going back, looking just a brief cursory read of the list I have up, the only team that has been remotely successful in the year that they were on Hard Knocks, the 2020 LA Rams. Really? And then See, I'd say, not... and the 2010 New York Jets. That was during the Sanchez era when okay. they made the playoffs and then lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC Championship. Um, but that was an entirely different era of hard knocks. Right. Back then, they were showing guys getting cut. It was basically unfiltered, and it was Rex Ryan. So you oh, heard yeah, a lot. That Rex uh, Ryan year was unbelievable. Yeah, you that heard a lot like, of colorful let's, stuff. Let's go get some snacks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let's go get some snacks. No, that's what I used to like. Now, again, I haven't watched it in a few years. Have they stopped showing the cuts and stuff? This year they are not. I did not watch the Detroit season last year to its fullest extent. I entirely okay. understand why they're not showing cuts while it added to the show. If I was shown being fired or anyone was shown being fired, you don't want that on TV. And it's the same right. thing for these guys, no matter how much you make. Yeah, and I, but I got to say, as a viewer, as somebody who doesn't understand the, you know, most of us are not privy to the inner workings of an NFL team. We follow teams our whole lives. We're fans. But we don't know how it really works. And I always found it fascinating because they, I found it fascinating about how it was done. I found it fascinating about you know how some guys were brought back to the practice squad. Some guys, they, they said, hey, we're going to call this team. You know, we've had interest in you from the... It was... The end result is the same. These guys' dreams are being shattered, but that's unfortunately that's what we want to see. We want to see guys who are doing this. We like to see the stories of the guys they follow. Uh, sometimes when they, you know, when they do succeed and they make the team, it's great. 
Other times it is heartbreaking, but uh, that's part of that's part of the the process. I guess you know. I guess you'd if it were me, I'd probably I'm like you, man. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't want that out there. But if it was, you know, we all know how hard it is to make. There's only so many spots in the NFL. It's very hard to make it, and these guys got to that point. They some people you just fall one step short, and that's and a lot of times, and maybe you'll agree with this too, or, or maybe you won't. You never really knew why guys didn't quite make it because, you know, they were showing all their highlights and things seemed to be going good, except for maybe one play. And I guess when you're on that bubble like that, and you're only getting a few plays anyway in these preseason games. One mistake could be enough. I totally agree with that. And I also think there's an easy workaround to telling that story. So take 2010, for example. Sione Pua, defensive tackle, got cut on the air during hard knocks. I think the easier way to work around that would be to have the head coach, the GM, whoever's making those decisions say, hey, we need to trim our roster down from 90 to 75, 75 to 60, 60 to 53. Here are the guys who are on our cut list. And then you don't show the guy actually being cut. You just say, this guy's gone. And then maybe if that guy makes it with another roster, makes it to the practice squad, then you show that. But not with the guy in the room, in my opinion. All right. Well, listen, that's a very good point. What do you think? Did you watch Hard Knocks last night? Did it change your opinion of number 12? Now that he's not number 12 anymore. uh, You know, for what it was worth... They made him look good. I don't think it's going to change anything. Uh, there was one point. Well, we'll take a break. We'll get to more of this. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Weigh in. It's WTMJ Nights. WTMJ Nights. It's up to you, Goodness. Yes, New York. Well, based on the footage from Hard Knocks uh, inside the New York Jets training camp last night, the New York fans are in love with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, he could do no wrong. Of course, he didn't play in the first preseason game. They played the Hall of Fame Bowl. The lights went out at one point. There was a blackout. And to everybody's credit, nobody made a, uh, a darkness retreat joke. I don't know if they had been told not to, but nobody made that joke as they sat on the sidelines. Uh, there was one point where Aaron asked the uh, guy sitting next to him if he'd passed gas, but uh, that's it. Uh, no one on the air made a darkness joke. Nobody, nobody made the darkness retreat joke. Nobody. They were. Uh, you, you, we didn't hear the call from the Hall of Fame Bowl. We just heard what was going on on the sidelines. He was wearing a headset. Um, now. They he said to somebody that he didn't have a mic. He did have a. There was a physical mic on there. Sometimes he had it up. Sometimes he had it down. But it seemed like he was talking uh, to the quarterback. But th- I don't know. It's uh, it's all hey, let's make Aaron look great, and then let's make the Jets look terrific, and um, you know more people will watch. From the from Jeff in Fox Point, I would rather watch a very boring Bernice bobs her hair. Once every night for the whole football season, then watch a show featuring Aaron Rodgers. The guy is like Otto the Invincible Ball from the Berserk video games. <laughs> I don't know what any of those words mean, Jeff. He keeps coming back, and I feel I can't get away from him, even if I cancel my Mac subscription. 
from the 262, I just want Aaron Rodgers to shut up and go away. Um, he's a publicity whore. Well, he's on the team. The team agreed to do it. A lot of love from Aaron Rodgers and uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Of course, they've worked. They worked together in Green Bay, and then Aaron Rodgers took umbrage that uh, Sean Payton, who is now taking over for Hackett in Denver, uh, said some bad things about Hackett, and he did say to the interviewer that uh, Payton needs to keep his coach's name out of his mouth, a la Will Smith. There was no slap so far between Aaron Rodgers and Sean Payton. Maybe that will come later. Maybe not. Uh, but I'll be now. I'm in. I, I'm invested. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the rest of the season, just to see, to see if the facade fades away over the weeks, and we'll talk about it as it goes on, Matt, um, as this thing happens. Because I, I don't hold out hope that uh, the rosiness will continue. No, Normally, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it'll continue. No, because you've watched enough of this. As the as training camp goes on, people get salty and surly. Something's going to snap. It's not all so sunshine that, and rainbows. I mean... No, not when you're trying to make the NFL. You're trying to make the NFL, and the Jets are in a situation where they started early because of the Hall of Fame game. They're going to play their second preseason game and then their third preseason game. And the whole thing with training camp is you get your systems down, and then week one will be the first time that you truly see the new iteration of the New York Jets, and that's where we're going to see a whole new story, and it might have nothing to do with what Hard Knocks is telling us. <laughs> Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills, that'll be the true opener to this. As they say, that's where the rubber hits the road. I don't know who says that, but somebody does. Yeah, it's good. It, it'll be very interesting because, you know, the fourth preseason game, maybe Rodgers does, what do you think, two, three series at the at the very most? So uh, not, yeah, yeah, one drive, maybe. During the dress yeah. rehearsal, he goes a quarter, but they're not messing around with him at all, especially no, considering who their number two is. Right, you know what he can do. It's like, let the uh, let everybody else get their... Get their reps in and see what happens. So there you go. That's uh, that's hard knocks. Uh, this is good news if you have uh, every day you're walking. Oh, I gotta get my steps in, Brian. I gotta, I gotta walk. Oh, I gotta get ten thousand steps. Because if I don't get ten thousand steps, how am I ever going to uh, get get in shape? Ten thousand. We've all heard that number, right? Ten thousand steps. Ten thousand steps. I had my Fitbit. If I don't get to ten thousand steps, I feel worthless. I'm shamed by what's on my wrist. You know, it's as if the Fitbit is flipping me off and laughing at me, going, oh, 9,800 steps, so close, loser, you never made it. Uh, no, guess what? Good news. We might not need 10,000 steps. In fact, you definitely don't need 10,000 steps. Now, said that say you shouldn't? Well, here's the deal. So, a new study published by the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology, which, if you're not on their mailing list, I don't know what you're doing with yourself. Uh, it's the largest study ever to measure the positive impact of daily walking and step counting and includes data from about 230,000 individuals, which is nice because usually studies are like, we talk to uh, 150 people. Hmm? There's a lot. So, here's the deal. Researchers found that if you walk about 4,000 steps a day, that's a good target. Because people who hit 4,000 steps saw their risk of dying uh, from any cause go down. Now, that sentence seems uh, odd because we're all going to die. 
no matter how many steps you take. I could sit on my lazy boy nonstop. I'm going to die. You could be a marathon runner. You're going to die too. They're saying it's going to, you're lessening your chance of dying from some sort of heart disease or, or something else. You're, it's going to go down a little bit. According to one of the authors of the study, the number of steps over which we might observe significant benefits seems to be lower than we previously thought. Uh, health benefits do increase the more steps you take. So um, the highest reduction in mortality was shown for steps over 6,000 to 7,000 steps. But that's good. If one day you get your 10,000, if another day you only get to 4,200, don't feel bad. You're still, you're still going to make it. That's the good thing. They looked at people who walked different amounts per day, 4,000, 5,500, 7,300, 11,500, found more steps corresponded with greater health impacts and lower chances of dying from any cause uh, and dying from heart disease. It also included data of people who walk up to 20,000 steps. That's insane. I've only done that a couple times, and that's if I was on vacation and we were walking all day. 20,000 steps is, is insanity. How many steps do you think you walk a day, Matt? Nowadays? Yeah. Four to five, maybe? Thousand? Four to five steps. Oh, thousand. All right. Hey, who knows? Some days it might be four to five. <laughs> yeah, it could be. There's some days There's some days I look and I, I know I haven't done anything that day. Maybe it's just a Sunday where we're just hanging around the house, sitting on the deck, and I look and it's like 1,200, huh? Hmm. That's not very good. <laughs> not very good at all i probably should get up probably should get up and do something um so yeah it's uh it's good the pressure is off i don't mind walking i you know i think that's uh that's good if you could get if you can get in 10 get in 10 if you can get in four thousand, that's more doable for most of us especially if you work all day and you're in an office or something you're sitting all day at work it's hard to get in ten thousand steps you got to really, you got to make time for that. But now, now the pressure is off. At four thousand, you're still getting some health benefits. All right. Speaking of benefits, we got to do this. Then we must move on because there's a scourge, a scourge. I tell you that is infecting certain places all over the world, especially here. Well, not especially here, but including here in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. We'll get to that and so much more. It's WTMJ Nights. The night is still young. More of WTMJ Nights coming up. Uh, everybody's going to the movies now. Not everybody, but a lot of people, of course. Uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer. This is uh, this is a big month for the movies. Barbie went over a billion dollars worldwide. Oppenheimer is uh, you know doing very very well. I haven't seen either one because I don't go to the movies anymore. I used to go to the movies all the time. Have you gone back to the movie theaters since the pandemic? And if you have, are you noticing that people have lost their minds? And if you haven't gone back, what's keeping you from going to the movie theaters? I saw this and it, it, it resonated with me because, like I said, I used to love going to the movies. And then it just... Uh, the pandemic came, and I got used to watching movies at home, and then the pandemic ended, and I was like, mm, you know what, uh, I'm sure the problems that I was having at the movie theaters before have gotten worse. Well, in fact, they have. Yes, there's all sorts of viral videos of people misbehaving in the movie theaters. It is 
Uh, Matt, I told you it was a scourge, scourge of bad behavior all over at movie theaters. Um, people are having blowups. They're screaming at each other. They're, it's it's almost like uh, you know they're in line at Starbucks. They're they're just going. They're losing their minds. So you can look at it a couple different ways. Um, you look at blame social media. Why not? We blame social media for everything, right? TikTok has made it for people uh, e easier for people to record and publish fights on camera. So we all want to get those viral videos. You know, you saw this person uh, throw popcorn at somebody else. You saw somebody hit somebody in the head with a jujube at the movie theaters, and uh, then there was a fight, and you got it up there first. But the weird part is they're recorded on phones, right? And I'm sure they're still doing this, telling you at the movie theaters to turn your phones off, put your phones away, don't have a phone at the movie theater. Oh, but we all have to have our phone, and we have to have our phone at the ready to record any sort of nuttiness. So, okay, if we're going to blame social media, well, that, that's fine, but I think it's, it's more of an overall deterioration of etiquette because we just we don't know what to do. This, this article that I read blamed COVID for a lot of it. Because for two years, we were not able to go to the movies. And if you weren't able to go to the movies, you were sitting in your house watching a movie, right? You're sitting in your house watching a movie. Maybe you're uh, talking to the person that you're watching the movie with. Uh, maybe you're looking at your phone while you're watching the movie. And so we're used to that now. Now, all of a sudden, uh, we can go back to the theaters. Hey, this is great. Let's go back to the theater. But we want to act like we're still in our living room. And we're not in our living room anymore. We're out in public. And people forget that, and that's what happens. So we're getting up. We're, go, we're talking on our phones. We're doing all sorts of things. And it just takes away from the experience. So did you? were you part of the Barbenheimer craze? Did you go see either Barbie or Oppenheimer? Did, did you go see any movie recently? And you were in the theater and you just thought, man, what's going on with people? Because that was that was the main reason that I stopped it, that I stopped going, or that I haven't returned, I guess. That and the fact that everything is coming out so quickly. It used to be, and Matt, you probably don't remember this, but there was a time where it took about a year, a year and a half for a movie that was at the theater to come to like HBO or Showtime. Now, you know, stuff's either coming straight to streaming or it's in the theater for a few weeks and then it's going to a streaming service. You know, I know anything that comes out um, from Marvel is going right to Disney Plus. John Wick 4 is now coming to stars. So I, I you know, I want to see John Wick 4 because I like John Wick 1, 2, 3, but I wasn't going to go sit in a theater with a bunch of yahoos uh, who are screaming and yelling and trying to fight like John Wick in the movie theater, I'll just wait and I'll sit. I'll sit in my chair and I'll pet the dog and my wife will just her eyes will glass over and go, "I'm not really going to watch this movie." And I'll go, "Okay, see you later," and uh, that'll be that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. What was the last movie you saw at a theater, Matt? It's a tough one. I gotta Has think. it been recently or was it pre-pandemic? Pre-pandemic. Okay, then then yeah, I don't expect you to remember. So, uh, it might have been Rocket Man. 
Oh, okay. I don't... I still haven't seen Rocket Man, I don't think. I'm just trying to think of the movies I've seen in the theater, and I think that yeah. might be the last one. All right, I couldn't... Yeah, I couldn't tell you the last movie I saw in the theater. I know Top Gun was supposed to save the movie industry, and it probably did, but I saw it in my living room. And, you know, so that was that. So I now I, I really find it hard to work up any sort of any sort of desire to go back to the theater there i found this list of the most annoying behaviors that people do in movie theaters but i would like you to add to the list what's the most annoying thing you've seen at a movie theater 855-616-1620 we're gonna take a quick break and get to that and more it's wtmj nights mj nights Sorry. 855-616-1620. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. We're talking about uh, people having lost all sense of etiquette when they go to the movie theaters. That's uh, That seems to be coming up only because we're seeing it a lot on social media. Jeff's been hanging on. He's in Caledonia. Hi, Jeff. Good evening. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing all right. So I've seen about a half a dozen movies this year. I mean, I just like seeing them on the big screen. And okay. I went, I went about two months ago. I went to see Transformers. That was full, and uh, they were really well behaved. I mean, when the good guys were winning, they were clap. People were clapping, and you know, it didn't get too rowdy. Uh, well, that's I've good. Seen Mission Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer. And then uh, the essential church. There were only four of us in that theater, so that was pretty quiet. Yeah, that's uh, four people. I like that. Four people in a theater. You're not going to get a whole lot of uh, whole lot of distractions there. Right, right. And if I... so, from what I've seen, the movies that I've been going to, you know, I'm in my mid fifties, so those are the movies I've seen and haven't really had any issues. Oh well, that's good. That's good to know, Jeff. I appreciate that. Yeah, because it's you know you read all this, and like I said, I haven't gone because, but I do, I do miss the experience, Jeff. I appreciate the call. Thanks very much. Yeah, like I I would have seen right. you too. I would have seen the Mission Impossible movie uh, in a theater. Now I got to wait for it. But I, I guess my patience has has grown thin with uh, certain behaviors, so I wouldn't. Uh, these are. These are the top five bad behaviors in a movie theater. We'll count them backwards, like, like a big official countdown. But first, I'll say the 262 said talking and lights on the cell phone. Let's see if either one of those are on our list. 855-616-1620, the most annoying behavior in a movie theater. Um, number five, laughing when something's not supposed to be funny. Like if you think the movie's bad and you're just mocking it. I've had it where I've actually laughed because stuff is funny, but people don't get it. And then they look at you like, why do you think that's funny? Because like, it is. You just, uh, our senses of humor are not the same. So, but yes, the ironic laughter, like the Robert De Niro in Cape Fear kind of laugh. Yeah, okay, that would be annoying. Uh, number four, this always gets me. Making people get up during the movie so you can go use the bathroom. Um, I always figure, 
I sit on the aisle just for that reason, because uh, as a man of a certain age, sometimes I do have to go to the bathroom, and I don't want to. I don't want to bother anybody. Now, I I also know that there are only so many aisle seats, but once I sit down, I do not like to have to get up. I feel that way at a sporting. I feel like that way everywhere. And again, it may be because I'm crotchety and uh, my patience has run out. But I don't like to have to get up, especially during a movie, because. It always seems like the person who has to get up to go to the bathroom is in a big hurry when they stand, but not very big a hurry when they're moving across your path. And then the whole time they're gone, you just keep thinking, oh, now I'm going to have to get up when they come back, too. And what's, and I know you're thinking, oh, boy, that these are first world problems. Yes, of course. I will, uh, yes, I will, <laughs> I will admit to that. Um, Chris, Mission Impossible is so good and still playing at the Cedarburg Rivoli Theater for just $4. All right. I four dollar movie is sweet. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a four dollar movie. There used to be Matt. Here's another thing that lays me. There used to be theaters you could go for a dollar, like second run movie theaters. After they had left the big theater, uh, they'd go to these uh, smaller theaters, like neighborhood theaters, and you could go for a buck, buck and a half. That's what I do on the road in the afternoon all the time, because then nobody's there. It's the best. Number three, loud eating or slurping. Yes. Have you ever been at a theater? And I know there's these new theaters now, like the, the ale houses and stuff, where they're serving you full meals at the theater. Why? No, that's Stop. unnecessary. Yes. Unnecessary popcorn. racket. Yeah, just, yes. I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear you tinkering with uh, silverware. I don't want to hear you cutting your chicken sandwich in half. Does that chicken sandwich cost $35? Well, if, well, then sure, you're going to take half of it home. Or are you people sneaking it. it under their coats? <laughs> the ones that they bring in? I've seen the people come in and they pull out a foil wrap pack, and then it's like, oh, no. or the people who bring burned popcorn in from home? Because I, I was guilty of that once. I didn't realize I'd burned it. And we brought the popcorn in, and uh, when I opened it, opened the microwave bag, my wife was like, oh, my God. You burn the popcorn. And I heard somebody like three rows away going, oh, who's got burned popcorn? I'm like, oh, my God. I got it. All right. I got to get out of here. I took it threw it away. I was like, I can't. I can't be that guy. But, yeah, have you, I've never been to one of these. I, I was at one fancy theater, quote, unquote, fancy, and they serve food but outside. Like, and then you could you could uh, go out. Like, you could get a beer and bring it into the theater, and they had the love seats and stuff. Um but you you couldn't order a meal in the theater. But doesn't that defeat the purpose if you're going on a date? To to what? Like to a movie. If you're doing dinner in a movie, but dinner is a part of the movie, you can't talk during dinner. You can't talk right. during the movie. Yeah, these are for anti-social What's, what's the daters? point then? I I mean, <laughs> you're hoping the other person is just uh, swayed by the expense of it all. Oh, did you see that? He spent $28 on a hamburger for me. He must really <laughs> like me. No, he just, he was he dumb. He just didn't take you to a restaurant where he could have got that hamburger for $14. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't like it all. I also, this I would like, but I'm never going to do it. The theaters that now have the recliners that lay all the way back. I just fall asleep. I'm, yes, exactly. I do that every night downstairs. I don't need, uh, I don't need to be in a very comfortable recliner that I'm going to sleep through a movie I just paid 15 bucks to go see. I'll do that at home when I can rewind it or watch it again. I'm not doing it at a theater. 
Because I slept through 90% of the Walt Disney movies that I took my daughter to when she was a kid. Every time we went, it was cool and dark, and I would just fall asleep. And then she'd go, Dad, you got to get your nap somehow. Of course. Listen, (laughs) Matt, you're you're a young man. You don't know yet. You're going to get to that point. Naps are very important. It's all about strategy. It is. I mean, I didn't plan on taking a nap at the movie. I I'm sure I wanted to see whatever whatever movie I was taking her to, uh, but you know that's you got to get your rest. Though I think that's more important than whatever film you saw. You are correct because if I and then when she rested, asked, "Did you see this part?" Then you're going to say, "Yeah, yeah, it was good." <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Oh, did you? Unless I snored, then I was you know then she knew, but that was all right. She, I said, "Well, the movie wasn't for me. The movie was for you. Did you like it?" Yes. Okay, then back off. Tell your story walking. I don't need to hear any more of you. Uh, number two on the bad behavior list, phone usage. Uh, that includes ringing or just using your phone so it lights up in the middle of the movie, or texting, or using your flashlight because you dropped some milk duds on the floor. Put your phone away. And the number one, we all can agree on this, the number one annoying movie theater behavior is talking. 65% said it's one of the most annoying things you could do at a movie. Um, I think that's low. If you're the other 35%, what do you think is more annoying than people talking at the movie? No idea. Some good news coming to us from the northwest border of the state. Talk about that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. WTMJ Nights. very excited about this news probably overly excited and i'm not sure why i know exactly why um after nearly a quarter of a century of being brewed in milwaukee old style is returning to its wisconsin birthplace yes it is going back to look to lacrosse very is that, yes old style is yeah G. Heilman Brewing Company, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, now it's not G. Heilman anymore. Now it's Paps. Paps owns Old Style. Old Style is going up there. Uh, the beer was launched in 1902 as Old Times Lager by G. Heilman Brewing. Uh, they sponsored the Cubs, of course, from the 50s until 2013. So they had a national uh, reputation, but they were the beloved beer in Chicago for years and years. Um, then they sold, the uh, Hellman's sold. To um, to uh, Miller Coors, Miller Coors has them. Uh, it's going to be then. Paps bought them. They're going to be at uh, coming to. They were made most of its production from Miller in Milwaukee to City Brewing. It was uh, Paps moved it from Miller to City Brewing in 2024 because Paps does like contract brewing. So they own a number of brands, but they don't actually brew them themselves they uh have other people do it they also own um lone star rainier stag strohs and old milwaukee all the beers of my youth brewed by one company i am excited oh we'll have to talk about this a little more we got to do this it's news time after this wtm butter pecan coffee at duncan that was pretty good you mean uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's, yeah. Shout I've heard very good things about their fish ride. I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ Night drive-thru window one more time. 
Yeehaw! I love that drive through window music. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank Talk text line if you want to jump in right before the news. Now, this technically is not part of the drive through window because I don't want you driving after you've been uh, drinking. But I want to finish this uh, story. I'm, I, I don't know why I'm overly excited that um, Pabst has decided to take Old Style back to its homeland. Uh, it's going to be brewed in lacrosse which is uh, going to be very, very exciting. When production of Old Style returns to lacrosse, Paps will brew up uh, promotions in area taverns with custom tap handles, bar signs, glassware, and other promotional materials. Uh, it begins in late September with the world's largest six-pack pub crawl in lacrosse, which references the silos in lacrosse that were painted like an old-style six-pack during the city's Oktoberfest. I, uh, the first time I ever went to lacrosse, I made a pilgrimage to the giant six-pack. I had to stand outside and just stare up in awe at this giant six-pack of old style, which was really um, obviously the silos. Then in November, the giant six-pack is going to be the site of another celebration. According to Old Style's brand manager, we're thrilled to finally bring Old Style home. Uh, we're eager to reconnect with the community that nurtured the origins of Old Style and hope these events will Honor the deep history this beer has with people and culture of lacrosse. It's time to turn those old-style signs right side up and cheer its return. I actually have an old-style light in my basement. Uh, old-style was the beer of choice at all family parties when I was a kid, uh, whether it was communions, graduations, birthday parties, holidays, whatever it was. Uh, growing up in the south suburbs of Chicago, it was always old style. Pure brewed. Well, that's hams. It was pure brewed in God's country. But uh, was that old style? Either way, uh, always old style. The first beer I ever had was an old style. Um, and then I didn't have old style for a long time. But anytime I'm at a place that has it, I at least have to have one old style. Just uh, to remember my roots. So... I can't wait now to go back to lacrosse in the fall and see the uh, see the giant six pack again. That would be fun. All right, let's get into the drive through window. Some a lot of news in the uh, restaurant and fast food world. And if you have any anything you've tried, anything you want to recommend, uh, jump in. And also, if you've uh, I mentioned before my disappointment with the Philly cheesesteak tots at the fair. If you had something great at the fair that you would like to recommend before I go back on Saturday, uh, by all means, we can throw some fair food into the drive through window as well. Uh, this is uh, exciting if you go to Burger King. The BK Royal Crispy Wraps are back. They're going to debut next... Well, they're going to debut. They haven't been gone. They are debuting next week. Available for a limited time. Ooh, we got to build up that shortage. So I guess... Burger King's Royal Crispy Chicken Sandwich is popular for the chain, even though I was reading today that they are really struggling. They need to get some more customers at BK. Um, the BK Royal Crispy Wrap is going to debut uh, next Monday in Burger King's Nationwide. They're going to be 3 bucks each. They're small wraps. They come in three varieties, classic, spicy, and honey mustard, designed to be either a snack or an addition to a regular meal. Uh, each wrap is made with a crispy strip of chicken, along with tomato, lettuce, and your choice of sauce, all combined in a soft, soft tortilla. 
or do you say tortilla because you cannot speak Spanish? According to uh, Burger King's chief marketing officer, we're no strangers to innovation when it comes to chicken. The BK Royal Crispy Wraps offer our guests an all-new way to enjoy our BK Royal Crispy Chicken without sacrificing quality ingredients, bold flavors, and your choice to have it your way. They're going to be available for a limited time. And if you haven't uh, gone to Burger King this summer, or if you have and you're thinking, man, I had these fiery nuggets, uh, well, you better hurry up. Because that was one of the special items they brought out this summer, a spicy version of their chicken nuggets. Uh, those are leaving on August 17th, along with this. Uh, all right, can I, can I put a stop to the everything's got to be really spicy craze? Can we stop that right now? Certain things should have spice. Certain things don't need spice. Everything doesn't need to be spice. I don't need... Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. I knew this was not a hot take. I know there are many of us who are done with all the spice. Listen to this. The Frozen Fanta Kickin' Mango. Frozen Fanta Mango sounds fine. Why does everything have to be kickin'? Uh, it's a mango and citrus flavor, and then it has spicy chili in it. Stop. Stop it. If your taste buds are that dead that you need everything spicy, pull back a little bit. I know one of my brothers smoked, and when he was smoking, he everything had to be super spicy. He was like, well, that's because my taste buds, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, well, stop smoking. Um, he did. He still uh, he still likes everything real spicy. I think he did some damage. But, yeah, are you a... I, I gather by your applause there, Matt, you're not a, a fan of everything having to be spicy? I'm not a fan of spice in general. I can tolerate the once-in-a-while slightly spicy. Like, if you want to look at the blue to red scale, okay, I'd say I'm fairly in the middle to slight above average on that. But anything higher than that, it's just trouble. See, I... I... I, I know where you're coming from, because I think that's that's like where my wife falls. She likes a little spice, not too much. I like it a little spicier, but not insane, because I want to taste the food and I want to enjoy myself. Um, yesterday, I went, to, I made salsa from the garden, and we had a bunch of, you know, we had, grew a bunch of peppers, and it was mm, pretty spicy. But not not so bad that you couldn't eat it. Even my wife went, yeah, it's spicier than the last stuff you made, but it's okay. But everything, like, I don't need to put, uh, you know, chili powder on my watermelon. If I'm eating watermelon, I want it to be sweet and delicious. I don't need it to be spicy. If I'm having wings, yeah, maybe I want them a little spicier. You know, but everything, oh, everything with the, with the spice. Stop. All right. Totino's, I don't know if you're a pizza roll fan. Uh, but this is this is big news because Totino's. Uh, this is big news for gamers, and I don't know why in particular. But according to this story, gamers will be very excited about this because Totino's pizza rolls. We've all we've all had pizza rolls at some point in our life. Maybe not Totino's, but if you haven't had a pizza roll, I don't know where you've lived. Uh, I don't. I haven't had one in. Well, probably since my daughter was a real little kid, so probably twenty years. 22 years that I haven't had a pizza roll, but I've had them. We've all, all done it. Well, Totino's uh, likes to stretch the boundaries of flavors, and they've also they they've also become synonymous with gamers because I guess you could. Well, I, I guess gamers are fond of them because they can eat 
the pizza rolls and play their video games all at the same time. Uh, multitasking is good. Uh, so, so they're, they've targeted, they've targeted Tito's pizza rolls toward gamers. And they've announced that they're taking their pizza rolls to the next level by offering a new flavor explicitly designed for gamers. Matt, I'm going to give you a chance to guess. If you think gamers and pizza rolls, what flavor do you think would be targeted specifically at gamers? And I'll tell you right up front, it's not what you're thinking now, so don't be embarrassed if you don't get it wrong. (laughs) I don't even know what I'm thinking right now. I mean, maybe a scoop, but that's not a flavor, that's a shape. Dry, I don't know, so you don't get the sauce over the controller? No, no. I wouldn't have guessed this either. I could have offered you I could have offered you mega millions money and you wouldn't have gotten this. Orange chicken. What? Yep. Orange chicken pizza. For gamers? Rolls. For gamers. I'm not gonna go Gamer. down that road, but okay. <laughs> gamers love gamers love orange chicken and they love pizza rolls because they can pop them in like tic tacs as they're playing I don't know, what do you play? Mario Kart? What kind of game you playing over there? Uh, it's a combination of sweet, sour, tangy, and crispy. They feature a fiery orange sauce and were created in partnership with Fozzy Clan, a famous competitive gaming team with over 40 international trophies. That's a sentence I never thought I'd say and one that I really don't understand. Um, the launch of the Orange Chicken Pizza Rolls follows last year's release of Buffalo-style chicken pizza rolls. Once you start adding all those words in front, it can't really be pizza rolls anymore. That's not a pizza roll. It's a roll. It's a wrap. Like, I don't know, a bite? It's like a hot pocket, a tiny hot pocket. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a pizza roll. Pizza roll is the tomato sauce, cheese, and whatever meat they said was in there. You know, that was a pizza roll. And a pizza roll's got to be got to have that little hole at the top where they filled it, so that when you bite it the first time, it squirts lava into your throat, and then you can't talk for a week and a half. Man, they uh, they said they had to create something extra special. You don't think this is extra special, Matt? You seem dubious. I think it's extra special. I just don't understand the orange chicken with gaming. That, that's that's where my head's at right now because I I, I think be- this bite can be whatever it wants and. Kudos to Totino's for making a different variety of bite, but to associate it with gaming. My only thing, uh, and please yeah. don't at me. Um, you know, it, they they did it with an international team, but I thought, well, maybe they're only maybe these are only going to be released in maybe some overseas markets. No, no, no. They're grocery stores here in the U.S. So I don't know, gamers. If you could put down your controller for a minute and uh, text us, I don't think that could happen. I don't think so either. I'm not. I, I don't think people are multitasking between playing competitive video games and listening. If you're to in the house with a gamer right now, pull the plug, please, so they can text in. <laughs> yeah, go down, tap them on the shoulder, and go. Hey, there's some old man on the radio who doesn't understand why you want spicy orange chicken pizza rolls. Shut up! I'm playing. You're interrupting me. Uh, all right. Like I said, you can get them uh, in supermarkets across the country. They're, uh, they've got all the other Totino's pizza roll flavors. So, you know, a bag of these orange flavored Totino's uh, pizza snacks includes 50 rolls and has a suggested cost of $5.99, slightly higher than the regular and buffalo 
pizza chip, pizza flavored rolls that are uh, five dollars and sixty six cents. So you must have thirty three cents burning a hole in your pocket, but you'll get it. Uh, you know who sent me this story? Charlie, um, who produces Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin Now in the morning. He um, he sent me this story. We've got more drive through window stories. We'll get to that. And if you want to jump in, 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank Talk and text line. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan with you. We are going through the drive through window as we do at least once a week on WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank Talk and text line. You can use it like James did. He's on the south side. Hi, James. Yeah, Brian. Uh, yeah, I, went to, I was uh, out uh, out and about over this past weekend and uh, happened to stop in at McDonald's. I'm not a McDonald's person, but uh, they happen to have on their, on their menu, uh, on their side menus, uh, a cheeseburger, a triple cheeseburger type of thing for a little over $4, and that was really good. Delicious, juicy, and the whole thing. And I'm like, wow. Having, uh, That's not bad. Uh, I was... No, not bad at all. I, it's three. It's three. It's not three quarter. It's not three one quarter pound um, type of things. It's three burgers uh, with cheese on there. Uh, three uh, three pieces of cheese on the, on the thing in between there and that. That was really good. That sounds uh, pretty filling. Yeah, it was. It was. Hey, it was three uh, uh, three you know chili, uh, cheesy burger for a cheesy person. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Very good, James. Thanks for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a good yeah. night. Yeah. Listen, uh, you, you're looking for those deals. I like a good deal. Triple cheeseburger. Um, John in Waukesha says, give me a Reuben pizza roll. Now, again, I, lo- I love a Reuben. I don't know if we can call it a pizza roll. I don't, uh, but who knows? Who's to say? Hey, McDonald's is trying something new since uh, James had uh, brought up McDonald's. They're trying a new... A new layout. They're going to do a little pop-up thing um, because Grim- the Grimace meal was such a big success. And bringing Grimace back for uh, for all of the people who, um, you know, had a little nostalgia. And I bought in. I bought in to uh, the whole Grimace thing. But now they're going to – they're doing a new restaurant cause, concept called Cosmic. Um they're in the process of developing this new concept where we will call Cosmics, which will be tested in a small handful of sites in a limited geography beginning early next year. So very vague where they're doing it. And if you don't remember what Cosmic, if you've never heard of Cosmic, Cosmic was actually a character uh, from 1986 to 1992 in commercials and print advertisements for McDonald's. I had zero recollection of Cosmic, who Looks like a, a silver ball with an orange duck head kind of sitting on it. Uh, he was an alien. He appeared in uh, commercials in print, like I said, from 86 to 92. Um, they don't know. Uh, they're not giving out a lot of things, but it's going to be smaller restaurants. Smaller restaurants for places that don't have a lot of real estate. So we'll see. And I don't know why they're banking on a character that hasn't been around for 30 years. But they said, hey, man, we, we're doing all nostalgia now. They had the adult Happy Meals for a while, and then they had the big Grimace birthday party in June where you get all your uh, your Grimace meal and your Grimace milkshake and all of that. And I've, I've told you, I fell victim. I went all in on the uh, I went all in on the Grimace 
milkshake and meal, and it was fine. So be looking for that at a McDonald's near you. Uh, James will be there eating his triple cheeseburger on either the last drive through window or the drive through window before. We did a story about Subway. I think, oh, it was when Tommy was It was here. with Tommy. It was with Tommy. And we talked about uh, they were offering, Subway was going to offer you uh, a chance to have free Subways for life if you legally change your name to Subway. Well, it sounded like a really dumb idea. Uh, we, of course, brainstormed other fast foods that we would uh, like to name ourselves. But, man, there's no overestimating the stupidity of the American public. Subway offered free subs. 10,000 people volunteered to change their name legally to Subway. That's, that's a lot more than I thought. For a year's worth of mediocre at best sandwiches, uh, 10,000 people. They entered a sweepstakes to legally change their name and, um, you can't enter anymore. So don't, and don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't cry that you don't get to. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to miss my chance to change my name to Subway. No, don't worry about it. You're making, you made the right decision. The winner is to be named later this month. The new Subway will enjoy free sandwiches for life from Subway's biggest refresh yet following the debut of freshly sliced meats in the U.S. Uh, restaurants and elevating its entire menu earlier this summer with a new lineup of Deli Hero subs to its Subway series menu. The winner also received the money to uh, reimburse their cost for changing their name. Man, oh man. Here's the thing. We joked about it, but if, you, if you're willing to change your name legally just so you can get free Subway, you need to reevaluate your priorities. I know. That sounds judgmental. Guess what it is. That's just how I roll. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. It's WTMJ. Well, you got to wait about uh, 30 minutes-ish. We're here till 9 o'clock tonight. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk text line. If you want to jump in, feel free. Uh, one more food-related type story because, uh, you know, now we're in August. I can't believe it. Uh, we're in August, which means the fall is coming, which means October will be here one of these days, and then it'll be Halloween. Bad news. You may be paying more for your Halloween candy this year. Why? A sugar shortage. Oh, no. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reports that a sugar supply strain could lead to higher candy costs. Candy producers blame the sugar shortage on U.S. agriculture policy, requiring 85% of sugar from domestic sugar processors. However, farmers deny that the policy has caused shortages. The candy will be available for Halloween even though it might cost more. Oh, you know what that means? That means that people who usually give out full bars are going to go to the uh, fun size, and the fun size will go to the snack size, and then there'll be those people who give out the ones that are about the size of a penny. You know, those you get a Snickers bar that big, you're like, what is the point? And there's people who will give one or two of those. Not me. You got to, the least you can do is fun size. And then you got to give at least two to three fun size, in my opinion. If I'm coming to your house and you're giving me one of those tiny little squares, I don't even know if those have a name. The tiniest, the tiniest, tiniest uh, candy bars. Um, you give me one of those, you're getting some toilet paper. I'm sorry. And I don't condone that kind of behavior, but uh, let's, uh, let's be honest with each other. 
No kid wants to get one of those tiny little candy bars. And don't tell me, oh, well, you're begging for candy anyway. You're not supposed to. Ah, zip it. No, it's Halloween. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give a little something. So what does that tell us? It tells us we gotta start saving up. You save it up for a vacation, save it up for get your car fixed. Now you gotta save up for your Halloween candy. No good. You're in a new place, Matt. Are you gonna have trick or treaters? You think this year? Oddly enough, trick or treaters have been very rare because I moved from a place that had a driveway that was 130 yards. <laughs> so no one wanted to walk down that driveway. Man. Okay, fair enough. To the second floor of a three flat in the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Nobody's coming. Oh, you're lucky. So I don't know. I haven't been at this place for Halloween. I've been in New York. So this will be the first Halloween that I'm actually there. And I'm not sure how that works because they can't get yeah, in the building. The, Does it fall on my downstairs neighbor? Does it fall on the four of us to go in at it wow. together? Is there a bucket outside? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's tricky because it's not, you know, an apartment building, a big apartment building, you know, sometimes they have a plan and they you sign up. I know uh, friends of mine and my daughter uh, that live in, in big buildings, they sign up to say yes or no, trick-or-treaters can come, and then they there's a you know a list that comes out for the kids in the building and says, oh, on the second floor, go to these three or four apartments or however many, and they're giving it out. But, yeah, in a three-flat or a two-flat, because, the yeah, you don't, hmm, I don't know. And there also aren't any kids in my building. Right. Are there kids in the neighborhood? I'm not entirely sure. There, there probably yeah. is. You know what? I wouldn't worry about it. You're, you know, you're a Hey, guy. it means I get to save up on uh, the money that I was going to spend on Halloween candy. Right. All that Halloween candy, now you can put it into something else. You can oh, take yeah. That, you start a nest egg. That's <laughs> your IRA. Now you don't have to worry about it. You none of the kids are going to be coming over freeloading off you. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a good plan. Don't do it. E either that or sit out on the stoop of your three flat in some creepy outfit and then make sure that the kids will never come back. <laughs> That is your retirement plan for the future. I love a good nature story. I like to be out in nature. I actually have the uh, Katmai Falls bear cam on in the background all the time to give me a little piece of zen. I look at the bears who are trying to eat salmon, and I feel good. But uh, this this story, I, I can't imagine. And if you've had a, a run-in with nature, I don't think I'm going to almost go so far as to guarantee that you have not had a run-in like this. This comes out of Texas, and I will say the, the woman's okay before we start the story. The woman's okay, so if we're, if we're having a little fun, don't worry. So Peggy and Wendell Jones, they're a uh, couple. They've been married 45 years. They have big property in Texas, and they were getting ready to uh, they were gonna go to the uh, casino after they finished all their yard work. So Peggy's out in the back. I don't know if it's the South 40. I don't know, you know, what they call the back. She's out there and she's doing a riding mower. She's on a riding mower in the back of the company. She's far from the trees. Uh, and all of a sudden, she says, this is a quote, all of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, a snake fell and landed on my arm. First of all, I hate snakes. Uh, secondly, a snake that's just fallen out of the sky, I'm going to hate twice as much because I'm going to figure it's an alien snake. No, it was probably dropped by something, but still, it lands on her, and then it starts wrapping itself around her arm and squeezing, 
and then trying to bite her. So it's on her right arm. It's wrapping around. She said, I immediately began thrusting my arm, trying to knock the snake off. And as I was thrusting my arm, the snake just wrapped around my arm, and he started striking at my face. How horrifying is that? Imagine, imagine this, this scenario. 64-year-old woman. I don't care if you're 64 or 24. You got a snake wrapped around your arm that's trying to bite your face. Don't like it. Snake would not let go. So the more she shook her arm, the tighter the snake wrapped. She was screaming and crying for help. The tractor was still going along, but the snake would not let go. Wendell, her husband, he's up front. He's in the front part of the property. He's got, you know, he's he's got his own tractor going. There's traffic on a highway. He can't hear anything. He doesn't know, but Peggy knows. Peggy knows she's got no help in sight. She's in trouble. She got a snake on her arm. Now things take a turn, because just as she thinks the snake's about to bite her, a brown and white hawk swooped down and started to grab at the snake. Are you picturing this, Matt? You're an older woman with a snake and a hawk wrapped on your arm. Talk about natural luck. Luck would be one way to put it. I don't know if it'd be the way that I put it, but uh, yeah. Now, I don't know if the hawk had dropped the snake and was coming to get it. That's That's what I figure happened. Because, again, uh, unless unless snakes are getting thrown out of planes or dropped, you know, like it's the start of one of the plagues from the Bible. I don't know if snakes falling from the heavens are one. I'm guessing the hawk dropped it. So the hawk is trying to get the snake. The snake is not letting go. The snake is gripping so tight um, that when the hawk grabbed it, Peggy's entire arm jerked up in the air. So now the hawk is trying to grab the snake, which is... <laughs> I don't know why she swallowed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. I told you she doesn't die, so don't worry. So the hawk keeps trying. Its wings are flapping right in her face. Uh, she can't see what's happening. The tractor is still rolling. Now there's a tug of war going on on her arm and across the field. She said it's it's crazy. It's chaos. Four times the hawk tried to get the snake off her arm. Finally, it scooped up the snake and took off. Well, this is where it gets back because now she's free, but her arm's covered in blood. She's got claw marks, lacerations, cuts, punctures. She said, imagine if you cut yourself. Uh, the pain was ten times that. A pain you can't describe. So she... She drives up. She drives a little more. She's screaming. Wendell finally hears her. He comes, sees her, throws her in the truck. They take her to the hospital. Um, she's doing okay. Wendell posted that she was uh, she's doing fine. She's gonna be all right. It's been two weeks now, and she's still got, you know, her arms all bandaged up and all that. I, man, I've told the story about getting pecked by one little bird. I can't imagine what this what, what this woman was going through it's just it is well M matt says it was unbelievable luck it's a horrifying coincidence it's being definitely in the wrong place at the wrong time and you know the only thing that would have been would have made it worth it is if you got a selfie with <laughs> a snake and a hawk wrapped around your arm like you're some sort of uh, crazy pirate but thankfully she's okay. I, man, when I read this, I was like, oh boy, this is a uh, bad business. All right, there is. Uh, we all have things that we would like to get at work. 
I don't know if you've made any requests from your boss for something strange at your office. If you have, please tell us, 855-616-1620, because when I come back, I think there's a fun one from the PGA. We'll get to that and more. It's WTMJ Nights. I hear this, though, and all I picture is the gopher in Caddyshack doing the little little gopher dance. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. I wanted to to bring this up quick because there was a story on the news at the top of the hour about the writer's strike and the actor's strike, and I know uh, outside of of that community, sometimes there's not a lot of sympathy for the uh, actors because people think all the actors make a ton of dough or uh, writers but you know uh, things are things are rough and one of the one of the things that the that SAG after is fighting for is AI and the right the image rights of an actor now a lot of people fall into this category of background actors they used to call them extras but now they're called background actors and they're they're the people you see any show, any movie, anything you watch, and there's people in the background, that's them. And those are, you know, unless it's a documentary, uh, those people are hired by the producers to come in, and they make the, the union rate for that is 187 bucks a day. Now, you know, that might be good to you, a lot of money to you, that might be not a lot of money to you, but it's it's a one-time deal, except now it has started to not be a one-time deal. So they're hiring these background actors, and you know they're getting their 187 a day. And a lot of times, maybe if you're lucky, uh, you can get 187 plus 10 percent because that 10 percent then goes to your agent who got you the gig, and you can still keep your 187 bucks. And there's people who. There's people who have been able to do that enough to scrape together some money. You know, you're not you're not going to get rich. You're not you're going to make a small living, but not a great living. And it's it's a thankless job. I did it a few times as a back when it was still an extra, and it's it's just not great. But what they're doing now is so let's say you get hired to do background on a movie. You're you're doing uh, a crowd scene for pick a pick a blockbuster oh, you're Oppenheimer all right so you're you're um you're cast as Oppenheimer you go uh they give you your costume you're in the you're in the crowd scene and you never get to talk to Killian Murphy or Matt Damon but maybe you see him and you're just supposed to you know do pretend you're just going about your business whatever they tell you to do so not not bad it's still it's exciting a little bit uh the first couple times you do it but uh, now what they've started to do is bring the background actors in and do full body scans of them and not pay them more, just scan them. Then they're able to, because they're not, there's no paper that you're, you don't give your consent or anything to use it again, but because of the rules that are in place now, they own your image because they hired you for that particular thing but they can use your image so imagine if you went in to do a background role for Oppenheimer and then somewhere down the line you're you know your kids playing a video game 
and you're like, hey, what? hold on. That's me in the video game. Oh, I didn't get paid to be in that video game. And then you're watching a TV show, and there's another background scene. And you, holy, wait, wait, that's me too. That's one of the things they're really fighting about, because if, if these producers can just keep using your image and only pay you 187 bucks, there's no need for them after a certain point to ever hire background workers, background actors again. And like I said, it's a big part of the industry. A lot of people had ma have made money that way. There's some people that do it all the time. That's their link to show business. Uh, and you get it. And if you if you do it enough, you can work a lot because they you know it's 187 bucks. They're, you're not breaking the bank for these producers. They've got to hire a number of people anyway. And for years, you know, big huge. Big, huge crowd shots, like in Game of Thrones for the, the battle, when you see 5,000 soldiers coming down. Well, that's not really 5,000 soldiers. We've done that. Uh, they've done that with computers and stuff for years. But now they're actually using people so that it's not all going to be big, huge battle scenes from a distance. It's going to be close-ups of these people's faces in these scenes. So... Just I, I like to keep kind of updating on what's going on and what uh, what they're really fighting for because I as a member of the union it means a lot as a guy who's done background work and and done some other stuff it's uh, it's important and I know none of none of us want to work for free none of us want to be paid for one thing and then never get paid for it again even though you're technically being used time and time and time and time again. So that's what's going on with uh, SAG-AFTRA. What about the PGA? Oh, my goodness. Are you a golfer, Matt? I try. <laughs> I usually play a scramble. My partner yeah. handles the driving and the chipping, and then I get it from the green into the hole. Really? So you're good, you got a good putting instinct? I got a good, a better putting instinct than my drive and my chip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I tried golfing for years. I get, I should have taken lessons maybe, uh, but I, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, I could, I could hit it far. The problem was it would go as far right as it went far, straight. So, it was never good. I did have a, my short game was okay at times, not good by any stretch of the imagination. I think golf is a game. When you're when you're a, a duffer, golf will tease you and give you you get a few great shots every round, and then the rest of the round is awful. But those few great shots make you go, yeah, this game's not so tough. I could you know I could probably play. I'll never be a pro, but I, you know I could hold my own. Eh, no, most of us can't hold our own anyway. So the PGA has been asking their pros, hey, uh, what can we do to improve? our tours what, what can we do to make things better for you guys and john rom says there's only one thing he really wants above anything else one thing he's a spanish golfer um two-time champion he said i know this is going to sound very stupid matt you want to guess what he wants on the tour I've had to go to the bathroom a lot of times when I'm on the 7th or 8th hole. 
I don't think this is ding, that crazy. Ding, ding, You win. You win. He wants a porta potty on every hole. He said, I know this is going to sound very stupid, but as simple as having a freaking porta potty on every hole. He went on to say, it sounds crazy, but I can't choose when I have to go to the bathroom. I've told the tour this many times. As simple as that. I'm shocked. Uh, yes, because, listen, uh, I, I don't mean to... The fun never stops on WTMJ nights. It is always something. Um, We've had some. It's no secret that sometimes I do the show from home, which is where I am tonight. And we we work over the Internet, which is your friend until it's not your friend. Um, I was telling Matt earlier this morning, I was doing something and uh, Zoom was my enemy. Zoom would not let me log on and then it would not send me the verification. And I said, well, tonight everything is good. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'm talking. <laughs> I was talking about John Rahm and wanting porta potties on the uh, on the golf course. And I see my phone is ringing, and it's you, Matt. And that seemed weird that you were calling me while I was on the air, because <laughs> I was like, uh, "He's he's on the air too. What's going on?" So what happened? We lost internet on the on your side. Yep. Because my side, my side, oh boy, my side still. So I want the boss to know my internet did not go out. It's the station internet, which is scary. So what did, what happens now? Well, we're still coming through uh, via the board. It's just the Good. singular computer that you come through that bugged <laughs> out. I've checked everything else, right. and everything else so far is so good. So uh, we're gonna figure it out, but it's a part of uh, a part of the game, they say. That's what they and thankfully it happened. You know, with like four minutes left in the show, it didn't happen at six oh five, where we would uh, would have been uh, nightmarish. But uh, we're gonna, you know, that's that's part of the deal. Now, it's uh, it will not happen on Saturday when I am at the state fair. Do you have to work Saturday, or Saturday's your day off, isn't it? Saturday, I will be here. Really. Yep, we got the State Fair show at 2 that you'll be a part of, and then we got the Brewers and uh, who they play on Saturday. Being a bad Brewers guy right now, the White Sox. They're not letting, yeah, they're the they're Sox this weekend. They're not letting you come out and work from the fair? You're still working back at the, the station? That's the plan. All right, well, listen, well, uh, well that's good then, uh, you know. We will. Uh, we can talk to you. You can. You can give me a food order or something if you want anything. I don't know if I'll. Uh, who I'll have to send it over. Maybe the street team will bring it back to you. What about that tater tot cheesesteak thing? <laughs> no, you don't want the tater tot, tot cheesesteak. There's other kinds of tots. If you like, just. Uh, I think there was. Uh, well, there's just cheese tots, which makes sense because they had a nice beer cheese. But um, we're not gonna have that. I am. I'm going for the. Uh, the bratwurst quesadilla, bratwurst and quesadilla. That's what I'm going to have. That, and um, then we'll do some other things. And then uh, next week, I'm actually I'll be in the studio, so we won't have to worry if this uh, this falls apart for some of the shows too. So. You'll be in studio for the Dodger Fest. When is Dodger Fest? Three games oh, yeah, against the Dodgers. Games. Yeah, yeah. It's weird next week because it's like, oh, I think I think the shows. Yeah, we got uh, almost full shows all week, so that'll be. Uh, That'll be fun. It'll be a good, uh, good long week. But uh, anyway, 
so much for that. Well, listen, I hope they get uh, they get everything figured out. Nobody's mad at you. Is engineering's not going to come down and think that you unplug something like uh, that guy in airplane? <laughs> You're going to be all right. We'll see what happens. I think uh, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. I'll tell them it's not. I'll tell them it's not your fault. You know, but it was it was hilarious. Imagine my surprise as I'm talking away as I'm wont to do, and then the phone's ringing, and I'm saying, "Matt, why are you calling me?" And I didn't hear. It I was like, "Oh, I don't hear Matt at all." Anyway, so John Rahm, the golfer, wants a porta potty on every hole. I think a porta potty on every hole and the beer cart cart person should be uh, following you around also, which you can't do if you're a pro, but you can if you're uh, if you're just a guy. Anyway, because um, Brooks Kepka said he went to the bathroom seven times during his final round at the Masters in April, so he really needs a bathroom. Well, listen, that's all for us. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being a part of the show. Matt, thank you. Good luck with the rest of the night. I hope uh, I hope it goes smoothly for you. I will talk to everybody tomorrow night right here, 6 o'clock, WTMJ.